Good afternoon, traders, and welcome back to Stock Market Movers, where we get through all the headlines and, of course, get to the expert opinions to keep you guys in the informational edge. Welcome to Stock Market Movers. We got a great list of topics to get through today. We're going to talk about ISM, PMI. We'll talk about OPEC and some oil prices. We'll take a look at the Credit Suisse scare, and, of course, we'll take a uh, talk, a uh, conversation on Kim Kardashian paying on up. Tesla deliveries coming through. General Motors releasing some information via SAT. Disney and Dish Network will talk about Wells Fargo's upgrade. Peloton in Hilton Hotels. Citigroup adjusting year-end outlook. Fed and inflation concerns moving forward. We got all this right here in one hour on Stock Market Movers. We also got Luke Lloyd, Wealth Advisor and Investment Strategist at Strategic Wealth Partners. And I will let you guys a little bit of insight. I did mistakenly tell uh, pre-market prep team that we were going to have Todd Gordon on today. If you're here for Todd Gordon, he will be on tomorrow. I apologize for calling it one day short. Maybe it was trying to just get the hype up. Maybe it was a mistake. Either way, he will be back on tomorrow, so don't miss that. That's going to be Todd going and talking about Tesla. But today, we still got a great show for you, so let's get into it. I'm your host, Money Mitch, and welcome to Stock Market Movers. There are three ways to make a living in this business. Be first, be smarter, or cheat. I can't help you cheat but I can give you the informational edge to help you succeed in the markets. Welcome to Stock Market Movers. All the market moving headlines and expert opinions every day. They say money is the oxygen of capitalism and I want to breathe more than any man alive. All right, traders, let's see what's going on in the markets today. Let's dive into the topics. And first, let's take a look at the SPY, right? SPY is holding on up here, up towards 364 as we got to bounce overnight. And this is how it can be a lot of the times where the market was heading down, had sell imbalances, doom and gloom. And then all of a sudden, what? Oh, it's right back up there. So definitely seeing that little push today. It held on any retraces and started pushing on up towards the 364. And wouldn't you know it, we're right back into that hourly range that we were watching for a long time last week. Since about Friday of the 23rd, we've kind of sideways now. If you think about it, we're only about 1.3% down. And overall, today, we're up close to 2%. So we haven't really moved in about, uh, I would say, what do we got now? We got about... 11 days here where we haven't really moved. And so this is what we're going to keep an eye out. Will we get a day two move? Will we get a move back towards the 370? That's what you got to be thinking about now. And now, of course, everyone's going to be thinking, oh, is this the new bottom? Did I miss everything out? Where's the FOMO action? No, but like always, guys, keep it simple. It doesn't need to be the market bottom just because we see a rally. Of course, Keep your eyes on all the headwinds out there. If the headwinds change, then we can start thinking about maybe changing our outlook. But for right now, Fed still raising rates, worries on out there of financial instability, 
inflation still showing up high in PCE, which is the Fed's indicator, right, to watch, right? PCE did not come in lower. It actually came in hot. And that's not what we want to be seeing there in PCE. So it just shows me right now, all the headwinds still pointing towards the downside, even though we are still seeing a little bit of these spikes and we'll continue to see spikes. It could possibly be that we get a little bit of a spike in the midterms and then followed by continued downside action as the Fed continues to raise those rates. So we'll see what happens today. Let's take a look at the overall action. We did get some uh, kind of economic data to hit today. So let's talk a little bit about that economic data. The first thing we got was ISM manufacturing PMI. And uh, we also got, um, also we got the manufacturing PMI for September. So uh, we got a couple of readings today. Let's first talk about the Institute of Supply Management. It said Monday manufacturing PMI fell to 50.9 versus 52.2 expected. Of course, we were at 52.8, so we were expecting to come down, but not this fast. This is this is definitely a hit down and shows us that what manufacturing is slowing down here. So the economy slowing up a little bit. And that's, you know, bad news is good news is what we hear a lot right now. And I think this is what we're going to continue to hear. But it's kind of crazy talk, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we're starting to wish that the economy actually shows weakness so that the Fed can mention the word pivot, right? That's what everyone wants to hear. And the truth is, we're nowhere near close to that. And I think we need to see continued high, uh, high relative uh, unemployment. We need to see that unemployment just completely start ticking on up because that's what's really going to scare the Fed. It's not going to be this manufacturing coming down. It's kind of a normal thing to see that coming down. And I think that you're going to start seeing some weakness in the overall economy. In the next three to four months, things are going to get tough. So we'll see what happens there. Let's take an overall look and continue going into oil stocks as we're seeing a lot of mentions out there about OPEC. And you guys can keep on watch to see what happens. But a lot of this coming off of talks of what? Well, we need to keep watching the oil stocks. Let's take a look at maybe some oil stocks today. You can see XOM kind of filling in some of that gap showed. I had a feeling we would fill it in. We filled it in today. Now, well, can we continue? What's going on in oil? Well, prices are jumping on reports of OPEC Plus considering a production cut and ahead of the OPEC Plus meeting on October 5th. ANZ uh, put out a significant chance of cutting as large as 1 million barrels per day, the analyst at the firm said in a recent note put out. And I think that, you know, you got to keep watching now. Of course, we're going to get a little bit of kind of some volatility to come into play in these oil markets. And they are getting a little bit of a lift over that, that news. Now, will it keep holding? And of course, what will happen on the meeting on October 5th? So we're not too far from that. October 3rd, in two days, we'll have our answer. All right. Well, this could definitely be one of those buy the rumors, sell the news kind of thing here for OPEC. So just be careful. Don't get caught in that move. We'll see what happens there. Let's keep going towards the next headline. Of course, there's a lot of headlines on out there today. We're going to get into one that I think is definitely an important one, but it made up a lot of its losses. So it doesn't look too bad. Of course, is CS. That's Credit Suisse. 
If you guys are taking a look at the dropping today, the shares of Credit Suisse plunging nearly 10%, but making that all back here in the intraday action, I was looking at this in the pre-market, could already see it making up some of it. It dropped down quick, but quickly recovered back up above that $4 price point. And of course, this is after the Financial Times reported that the Swiss bank executives are in talk with its major investors to reassure them amid of rising concerns of the Swiss lenders' financial health. Spreads of the bank's credit default swaps really started spiking, and that really brought some concerns, some doom and gloom going into the market. And it looks like the market just shrugged it off today as it started pushing on up. A good example is just looking at the CS, and you can see how that got shrugged off, and the market essentially coming on up, even though it had that negative catalyst outlook going into the open here. I think a lot of people were kind of weighing in when they saw those uh, imbalances come into the close, as you saw $6.5 billion into the close there on Friday. A lot of bears kind of getting caught here in that opening move. All right, that's going to probably do it on my Credit Suisse talk. But one of the things that I would mention about this is that you're seeing more and more questions of financial instability, different areas coming into play, right? Whether it be government, whether it's the Bank of England stepping in like last week into the British pound, right? Well, a lot of starting to get even more questions of these uncertainties, and we're actually seeing some action being taken here. And I think this is the important thing as you get further and further along the lines, closer towards what they will call the true recession, is we're going to get more and more financial instability concerns, something to keep our watch on. All right, now let's go ahead. We can just get into our interview early today. I'm going to go ahead and take down the spy so that we can go into our interview. Like always, excited to talk to Luke Lloyd today. Like, One of the things that I think is important is there's one thing that I can go ahead and point on red flags over here, but there's nothing better than really getting to the expert opinions and hearing it from multiple voices. That's, I think, one of the things that I think we do better here on Benzinga is trying to give you guys the competitive advantage in how, well, letting these experts really truly get the floor, giving them more time to give our their opinions and what they're really seeing out in the markets so that you guys have that informational edge. Let's get into today's interview. All right, let's bring on Luke Lloyd. What's going on, Luke? Money Mitch, what's up, man? Good to be here. What's going on, man? Looks like uh, for some reason, I don't know if you're on the right camera. You might be swapped. It's like a little bit stretchy. I just want to check there. But if not, I think you're perfectly set. We don't have to worry about it too much. There well, we go. I really don't care about how we look is, or how I look as long as I get the right information across. Sound. Right? So, sound is always important. As long as I don't look horrible, one. Mitch. Then yeah, yeah. Don't go. worry. On Friday, I had laggy internet. I even took my camera down. I, you don't have to see my pretty self. You just got to listen sometimes. That's what I say. <laughs> That's so right. let's get into it. Let's first talk about, you know, everyone seems to be putting the blame on the Fed right now, right? And though they are responsible for the recent, you know, hike rate, are they really the worrying and the reason behind the world's energy crisis? I think there's so many reasons. You can't just blame the Fed. I, I mean, 
I can go into d- big detail about all the different reasons, but when you truly look at it, you know, I think we're in this mess for a marathon, not a sprint, because when things are this messed up, you don't get back to stable growth in the economy or stock market quickly. So the Federal Reserve is trying to fix the irresponsible spending that happened in Washington, really ever since 2008 and 2009. They've just done a very bad job at cooling demand. So, you know, they should have started hiking rates when they said inflation was transitory over a year ago, right? So now that we're in this situation when, you know, things look really bad, the government actually isn't the only culprit here, though. You know, things like the push towards renewable energy, ESG investing, that's what led us into the world energy crisis we're having now, which is one of the systematic and biggest issues out there that really nobody's talking about. I mean, it has kind of similarities to 2008, 2009 in that it's a structural systematic problem. You know, I don't think people realize how bad it actually is over in Europe. You know, people literally can't afford to turn on their lights. And we might be looking at something similar here during the winter in the US. So people also don't realize the humanitarian impacts this has on the world. So when businesses can't turn on their lights, when businesses can't manufacture food, it's a trickle down effect. People end up hurting and some people end up dying and starving from these kinds of events. So all these ridiculous narratives, all these ridiculous policies led us into the systematic issues we're having today, not just the federal government, not just the Federal Reserve. Now, of course, you know, we started seeing the concerns that are out there, the Credit Suisse news hitting the uh, tape today. Now, the question comes, will we get another Lehman Brothers moment if the Fed continues this hawkish stance? I don't think that's the base case, but I'm not going to throw out the window, Mitch. I I think it's a possibility. I just don't think it's truly going to be as bad. You know, one of the biggest worries you have to you know, truly look at and worry about is how levered companies are as these interest rates rise. So, you know, with rates rising, you know, so quick over the past six months, you know, a lot of the companies are getting shocked as the cost of debt rises. So, you know, a lot of these companies are tailored or uh, are levered towards these floating rates. So as interest rates rise, their cost of debt goes up. So it's really important to understand which companies you own and how levered they actually are. Your default risk is on the rise and something you really need to pay attention to. Again, all you need to do is take a look back to 2008 and 2009. This whole economy was fueled by debt for 13 years straight. So, so many companies and so many people got used to 0% interest rates, got used to low-cost mortgages, low-cost debt that fueled the economy. People owned multiple properties. People owned, started up multiple businesses. Businesses invested heavily into research and development, right? So we haven't seen a a time uh, in 13 years like we're currently heading into that's probably going to last deeper and longer than most people expect. And that's that's the thing about the stock market right now is a lot of people think it's going to be that V-shaped recovery. We dropped, you know, 25 30% and there's going to be a big bounce back quick. What I'm really worried about is that we stay pretty stagnant and and don't have much gains really over the next four or five years. I think it's an active stock pickers market. This whole passively, you know, passive investing over the past 13 years also led into uh, an equity bubble that we saw, you know, pop that we're seeing pop right now. Now, what game or mandate do you think that the Fed is going to be playing moving forward? Because it seems to me like they, they love to play the game of extreme. Well, I think they've been so wrong, so they have to play the game of extremes right now. They're trying to make up for what they didn't do a year ago. So the two key factors that the economy and that the Fed is watching right now 
And you know, when we get back to some sort of normalcy down the road that you have to keep an eye on is the job market inflation, right? That's really what the Fed is looking at to control, you know, stabilize prices and to, uh, you know, put down unemployment as far as they can really be and a safe, healthy rate of unemployment. So until inflation gets back down really below three or four percent, we won't see normalcy, in my opinion, in the stock market or the economy. And the big key, the, the kicker to that is what unemployment rate is attached to that 4% level on inflation, right? Is it 4%, 6% unemployment, 7%, 10%? I mean, that's truly going to be the key to the market going forward because we talked about default risk. We talked about how the whole economy was fueled by debt, right? As unemployment starts kicking up, people won't be able to live off of credit card debt anymore. They won't be able to live off of debt anymore, right? They will literally have no money to spend. So as you see that unemployment take up, you're going to see defaults kick up as well. So depending on how high um, unemployment goes as we cool down this demand, cool down this inflation, that's the key to this market. And, and you know, base case, you know, I think we'll see closer closer to around probably 6% unemployment. So I think we probably still have some downside to go in the market before we really um, factor in all that's about to come over the next year. Yeah. And I mean, it's uh, not what you want to be hearing, too. You know, a lot of this is uh, the talk out there that bad news is good news right now, but it's the way you look at it. Right. One of the I things think, that uh, bad, I think bad news is bad news and good news is bad news at this point. Right. Yeah. yeah it's troubled out there. Now, one thing that I noticed and I've, I've heard you recently talk about it. So let's talk about the eyeball test versus what truly is happening in the economy. Because it seems like to me, I was in New York City recently and walking yep. around and I could see, you know, a lot of consumers spending on up. But in certain areas, of course, of the country, I live in Charlotte yep. also, you're seeing more of signs of concern, right? Trying to cut costs, trying to, you know, worry about those pennies and nickels at the grocery store. So yep. what do you think really truly is happening here with the eyeball test? versus what's really happening in the economy. Sometimes all you need to do, and that's a great point, Mitch. Sometimes all you need to do is go to the gas pump, go to the grocery store, walk around a little bit, right? I mean, you can look at all the numbers, all the research you can. I think that's one of the reasons why the Fed got in trouble, you know, and they didn't do their job over the past year because they're just looking at the numbers. They, they live in their own bubbles, right? So yeah. it's very interesting to me the disconnect between parts of the economy. So I was just in Beverly Hills, you know, California and spoke at a conference back during Wednesday through Friday of last week. And people aren't thinking twice about spending money out there, right? That was my first time in Cali, right? And my observation was everyone's spending money. Everyone's going out. Nobody cares about what's happening out there. They're just going about their lives, right? When I came back to Cleveland, Ohio, back here, I was at an event, uh, an event yesterday where all the people could talk about was trying to find the free food and all the free gadgets that people were giving out. So I think a lot of people and a lot of companies also don't realize how truly bad it is out there for many Americans and many earnings estimates are too high going forward that are factoring in that the economy is okay and that everything is good to go over the next year. So, you know, when we talk about earnings and people spending money in the economy, we're expecting or, you know, I say we, you know, Wall Street um, estimates are 8% earnings growth next year. Uh, for 2023. Personally, I don't see an environment where we can get anywhere close to 8% earnings growth because I'll tell you what, Cleveland, Ohio, Ohio in general, you know, that's a true reflection, I think, of, you know, uh, the, America as a whole, right? Not Beverly Hills, California. So I think a lot of these analysts out there, a lot of, you know, uh, politicians, Wall Street folks, I think they get disconnected from reality. And that's what we're seeing right now in the market 
I, and that's why I think we got some uh, reversion uh, to go that's going to factor in what's truly happening. Now, how do you feel about year-end outlooks and what do you expect moving into Q4? I know Citigroup put out today, they slashed their S&P 500 target from uh, 4, 000, uh, to 4,000 from 4,200. And of course, there was those wild ones out there that were looking at all-time highs. What do you see here, Lloyd? Yeah, so I mean, that's a great question, right? I don't have a crystal ball, but what I will say is Talking about how disconnected I think reality is from the stock market and the economy really from the stock market still is, I think we could easily see you know bounce um, from here at this point. But I, I think we'll truly end up right around where we're at. You know, I think we'll end up probably closer to 3,500 uh, area on the S&P 500 by the end of the year. Um, but you know, we, we dropped off quickly um, over the past couple of weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a five to 10 percent bear market bounce, just like we saw before. Right? That's very common in a bear market. But really what I'm looking for, look, looking into is where we're going to end up mid next year, heading into the end of 2023, because I think that's truly how long, you know, these, these bad parts of the economy are, are going to get worse and, and last is into the end of next year. So, you know, I think when it's all said and do, done and what I'm really, truly looking at is somewhere between 3000 and 3400 on the S&P is where we're going to kind of bottom. So I think we only got anywhere between five to 15 percent to go um, over the next year. And again, I, I don't really know if that's calling the bottom or talking about the bottom is really um, what's important here. I think it's really looking into how long growth is going to be um, stagnant, if not negative, over the next couple of years. Because I think that's more important than trying to time the bottom at this point to position your portfolios and prepare for a prolonged level of stagflation or possibly even a deflation environment um, going forward. All right, let's leave off on one last question, more opportunity outlook here. And uh, one thing that I wanted to bring in, and this was by FinViz, is just a, a one-year relative performance, right? Um, yep. And you can see there communication services, consumer cyclical, technology, the leading three sectors on the downside. So where do you see some opportunities going into next year, uh, keeping this in mind? Well, I'm always about some, uh, momentum, right? Whatever's they always say buy low and, and sell high, right? But when in reality, really, if you take a look at history, it's sometimes buy high and sell higher, right? So you sometimes want to look at the top three performing sectors as we head into these issues that get worse, right? I'm not saying these are going to be the best, um, uh, the best thing in the entire world, because I think cash makes a, still a lot of sense um, in this environment. Not all cash, but a good, good portion of cash. But, you know, energy going into the winter, you know, I talked about how Europe is in a bad spot. I talked about how um, America is probably going to be heading there. Right. And OPEC just cut their supply estimates. Right. So, you know, people aren't going to you know, still have to turn on their electricity. People still have to put on their their heating units heading into winter. Right. So I think that energy might still have some momentum behind it. So long as we aren't in this crazy deep recession over the next three months where people literally can't afford to turn on their electricity and turn on the utilities. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. But consumer defensive, I think, also is a spot to be the McDonald's of the world. I, I think you got to stick with the top three um, in the short term. I think those are the best spots to be. But as we go into next year, I do think you're going to see a lot of opportunities uh, in the, the larger cap tech names. So mid next year, late next year, I think you're going to be wanting to own the Microsoft's, Apple's, the Google's of the world. Um, now we probably still see some more pain in tech, but I think you got to get ready for that next year. Hey, well, thank you for bringing some reality into here. Luke Lloyd, Wealth Advisor, Investment Strategist at Strategic Wealth Partners. Always glad to have you on, Luke. And Thanks, we'll Mitch. Looking forward T to it. Take care, Luke.
All right, there you guys see it. And I think it's as simple as that. You know, sometimes it's just taking a reality check, right? And I think that that's what Luke does really well. And so let's continue moving into the market. Got a lot of headlines to talk about, but it's something to keep our eyes on. You know, of course, the default risks are starting to really show up. So you got to be careful with those levered companies out there. I think that was a great mention there by Luke, especially look into your portfolio. See what type of true interest risk you have there. If not, maybe look out for a financial advisor to kind of help you on that outlook. Let's keep moving forward. Let's get towards the next headline, which was an interesting one. Let me let me take a look at how uh, Bitcoin is performing on the day. Let me go ahead and bring in here my Benzinga Pro to take an outlook on Bitcoin. I'm going to go ahead and bring up the chart here. Looks like we're up on the day, so... That is interesting. I do see my internet coming a little bit in and out, a little instability. So let me know if I'm getting a little bit robotic. I'll try to do my best to continue things going here. Do see it chopping in and out, but I'll do my best. Let me just close up some windows here, try to help us out. Got too many things opened up, man. Um, yeah, and there we go. All right, so Bitcoin having a little bit of a bounce right now. You guys can see it's up about 456 points towards 1950. 19.5 you got right now. You're getting a little bit of a bounce. Uh, what happened today? Well, let's talk a little bit about what hit the tape that caught a lot of people's attention was the Kardashian agreement, right? And so uh, this was a kind of a fine that came out of this. And I think this, this is one of the things to pay attention to how Gary Gensler is running the SEC. And so Kim Kardashian agreed to pay more than $1 million to settle SEC charges for failing to disclose a payment she received for touting a crypto asset on Instagram. This case is a reminder that when celebrities or influencers endorse investment opportunities, including crypto asset securities, it doesn't mean that those investment products are right for all investors, said Gary Gensler, chairman of SEC. And so I think this is one thing that you just got to continue to watch and one thing that you need to look out for when you're talking about crypto. When you're talking about crypto, we've noticed that a lot of this is going to be on troubles of what? Well, concerns of scams. And I think that this is what I brought up multiple times about cryptocurrency that I think not a lot of people are focusing on. This has created a wave of what? This has created a wave of concerns with investing into crypto. For a long time, there was this kind of safety concern out there. How safe were these platforms? And then in the, la in the recent wave, what did we get? We got a ton of these platforms coming on out, telling you you can get this yield, that yield. Come on over. Everybody, come get the yield that you could get. There's the stable coins that came out, the NFTs that came out. A huge wave of innovation brought to you by what? A wall of worry now because there were so many scams that filtered through. This is the worrying that I'm concerning about in the long run for Bitcoin and cryptocurrency overall. I think this is going to take probably years to recover from because at the end of the day, who wants to be putting in their money into a risky asset that is truly risky now? It before was started to be viewed as, oh, well, maybe you can do this, the stable coin strategy. Maybe you could diversify and just kind of add into it. But it's been now that we've seen it, even if you had your money, let's say, and maybe these other kind of platforms like Voyager 
Um, we saw Celsius. They blew up. And those are signs of concern. I think in the long run, it leaves an impactful feeling on the investors that got caught, right? Let's just be honest. And for those that didn't get caught, like myself, what do I think about? Well, do I really want to be getting in my money into these platforms? And if I do, how can I protect myself so I don't end up like some of these that got caught? All right, we'll continue moving forward. We'll get out of the cryptocurrency. And uh, definitely, I agree with the chat. Learn the lesson, report your income. And I agree that for everybody. You know, if you're able to go ahead and make some money because you're recommending a product or recommending a service, just make sure you disclose it. Just like I try to my always to disclose if I have a position or if I'm looking at things a certain way. Or sometimes I'll just let you know, guys, I have a bias towards the short side on Bitcoin right now. That might be the outlook of why I'm worried about the consistency of Bitcoin. Like always, one of the things that we always just want to be is transparent. That's the key here. And let's move forward. Getting out of the Kim Kardashian, let's go towards the Tesla deliveries as we're seeing Tesla just get crushed today. But the spy, 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 uh, before we get into Tesla, look at the spy making a new high here. And it's crazy how sometimes we'll just climb that wall of worry as we're making our way back towards the 370, 360 outlook and just catching a bid. So it looks like we're back into the hourly range of last week, even though we're shrugging off Tesla just hitting through new lows and just continues to get pounded on the day as you're seeing it come right back down here. And what happened in Tesla? Well, they delivered 343,000 vehicles in the third quarter of 2022. Estimated was here deliveries of 364,660 vehicles, so missing by over 20,000 vehicles for deliveries. When you take a look at their deliveries at 343,000, it wasn't too far off from their production. If they were able to get their production to deliveries, maybe they could have hit their delivery number. But this just shows us more and more supply chain concerns. That's what this shows me, guys. And I don't think Tesla wasn't able to reach those deliveries because they weren't able to reach the production. If they had the supply, they probably would have been able to produce it. So... I think this is just more of a matter of what not meeting deliveries because of supply chain concerns and showing me more and more until we get out of those supply chain concerns. We'll probably be still be missing some deliveries here on Tesla and others. Now, we did get GM to come out and give some of their news out there. And I think GM was trying to take advantage of this opportunity. And so I can't blame them for doing it, but they put out some news today. Let's talk about their news here. Uh, you have it right here. There it is. General Motors saying that their third quarter vehicle sales increased 24% compared to a year ago. And GM said it sold 555,580 vehicles from July through September, up from 447,000 vehicles a year earlier. So about a what 108,000 uh, more cars. That just shows me more and more. Yes, their supply chain is getting a little bit better, but is it completely fixed? It's not 
fixed, but it's getting better than 2021, right? And I think that that's what we want to be seeing is that at least in the long run, they should be able to work out their supply chain concerns. So uh, GM not breaking through those July lows or June lows. And we got down towards a low of 31.61. Didn't get towards those 30.90s or 31s. We'll see what happens here in General Motors. All right, what's going on out there? I see Hertz, Jay Rice, these crooks at TOS. Ooh, yeah. Um, did you did you do a market order, Jay? Oof, it's tough out there. Please analyze ETFICLN. I got you, Stu. Just stick around to a little bit towards the end, and I'll go ahead and I'll make sure that I cover that ETF. And give me a reminder if you see around maybe 150 and I haven't covered it. VIX back under 30. Ooh, yeah, man. Uh, it's crazy. This market environment just doesn't want to hold there. Uh, let me take a, a look at what I have here. At least I look at the VIXM. Uh, I don't have the, the true VIX there, but it is looking like it's just holding up here. We'll see what happens there. Any thought on how the latest hurricane is going to affect insurance prices for those holding the most real estate? That combined with higher interest rates and electric default rising? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Insurance in Florida isn't getting cheaper. Let's just be honest about that. And as you get further and further down the line, insurance in Florida is going to keep going higher and higher. And you're going to still have battles in Florida for insurance in the long run. Because at the end of the day, it's pretty much underwater already. So... Um, I don't know about how insurances will do in the long run, but in Florida, the prices will still be rocketing on up. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because at the end of the day, insurances have to make more money, right? So they're going to have to raise those premiums. But also with these kind of hurricane disasters, they got to go ahead and actually put out the money, right? And so this is one of those kind of battles that since I'm not an industry expert in insurance, I'll try to stay away from, but in my eyes, I see insurance prices going up in the near future. All right, let's keep going. Let's get into the other headlines that are out there. I'll go into Viasat, and so let's go to that. That's going to be VSAT. If you guys are taking a look at this stock, why is Viasat up today? And let's take a look at the 15-minute as this is pulling back after a big breakout there at the 10 a.m. A lot of people missed this one, and it was a big push. Well, we got the news for you. Let's talk about that. So Viacom is jumping off of the Wall Street report here. Um, so it's about a rumor that the company is about to be close to dealing and selling a military communications unit to defense contractor L3 Harris Technology for nearly $2 billion. And so uh, Viasat getting that push. Now the question is, will it hold kind of this 38 pullback and give you the next drive on up towards that 44. Definitely got a great drive today. And if you weren't able to catch this one, you could have caught it from the headlines on Benzinga Pro this morning. All right, keeping on going. Let's get towards the next headline. I wanted to talk about Wells Fargo getting a little bit of an upgrade. Talked about this shadow filling today. And would we get the shadow filled up? And there you guys see it. We got the window closed here on Wells Fargo and Goldman Sachs stepping up to the plate saying Wells Fargo is a buy at current levels. 
we see Wells Fargo as an unappreciated earnings growth story due to the best-in-class revenue upside and efficiency improvement from rate and loan growth-driven NII. And so there you guys see in Wells Fargo get a little bit of a lift today. Will this continue? I'm not sure they can continue. Of course, recession talk keeps knocking these banks down, even though they're getting higher interest rates. They just get hit hard, hard, hard on the downside because of recession concerns. All right, let's get out of the Goldman Sachs and Wells Fargo story. The next one up is going to be Peloton story. Did you guys see Peloton getting a little bit of a lift? And why would this happen? Well, it's all about Peloton and Hilton. So uh, this is all going to be due to Peloton saying that all 5,400 Hilton branded hotels would feature at least one Peloton bike in every fitness center by the end of the year. All right. Well, I'm going to have to actually do a little bit of a test on this. We're going to have to do boots on the ground. If you guys out there go to a Hilton and see a Peloton, take a picture, snap it, and send it on over to Benzinga as we'll continue to watch to see what happens in Peloton. They did mention last week that they're getting into Dick's Sporting Goods. So maybe all these kind of strategies actually turn this stock around. If you take a look at it, it is way below the IPO. IPO'd in the 20s and now down the 740s. Can they get back? I mean, they have good reoccurring revenue. They just need to really get loved again. And right now, it's definitely not loved as it's down there towards the $7. But will this come back? That is the question that investors are starting to ask themselves. They've done everything they can to try to make it come back. Today, getting a little bit of a pop. We'll see if they close above the 750s going to the 760. We'll see if, has anyone in the chat used a Peloton? Let me know in the chat. I'd love to hear if you have. All right, I see some other mentions in the chat. Um, Nike making a U-turn, says Daniel B+. Plus. Well, what's going on with Nike? I'll take a quick look. Nike coming back a little bit, trying to close some of that gap. Not a bad outlook there. Definitely getting a little bit of some U-turn in Nike today. All right, getting out of the Nike talk, let's go towards the next one. And we're talking about Peloton, but let's go towards Apple store news that is out right now. And so this is all on Morgan Stanley coming in here with some news about what they're seeing in the Apple store revenue. So let's go to Apple and see how the stock is trading today. It is getting an up move today and continuing the gains here up towards 142.14 on the intraday past the close and actually almost towards uh, the high on Friday as we got a hard sell-off towards the close on that Friday from, of course, imbalances that were out there. Apple's app revenue declined about 5% in September, according to Morgan Stanley, the steepest drop since the bank started modeling the data in 2015. So uh, this very much could be uh, due to maybe some different kind of ad tiers and, and different kind of uh, cookie controlling that you're seeing in Apple. But also this could mean that what that you'll start seeing more and more demand drop off from Apple. This is what a lot of people are trying to state is happening. Apple still has yet to confirm the Bloomberg report or confirm on the downgrade that Bank of America gave them. And it looks like they're just heading for Apple, right? 
Now, right now, Apple is making a huge bounce back. We'll see if it can make its way back to 148 or does it come back and take out that 136. If it does there, we'll be watching for those June lows. If we can come back down there, you got to be careful on Apple. Remember, Apple was the one that really got things going last time. It was down here and it started driving up, driving up, driving up. So let's see what happens in the next couple of days. All right, uh, last topic that I wanted to kind of mention here is going to be about Norwegian Cruise Line ending all COVID-19 testing and masking here. So uh, they're definitely stepping up to the plate and pretty much trying to create some demand. At least I feel like it. Let's take a look. After, of course, uh, the kind of disturbing and, and hard hit news that came in from Carnival Cruise Line from their earnings, it's continued down. It went down towards the 680 area today and still kind of cutting through. But Norwegian trying to change things up here and saying that they're going to end all COVID-19 testing, masking, and vaccination requirement effective on Tuesday. Of course, you will still have to abide by state-given laws. But if you pay attention, this could probably give them a little bit of a lift as a lot of kind of cruise uh, consumers weren't able to go cruise because of the vaccination uh, vaccination requirements. And now that they're not required to go ahead and release that, will they start getting some demand to go up? And is this a good move by the company? Of course, this might increase demand, but could potentially increase the exposure to COVID on the cruise ship. So who knows? This is starting to be a question, but they're trying everything to turn things around. All right, that's going to do it for that. Let's go towards what was hot and what was not really quickly. And then we'll take some stocks from the chat and start wrapping up. So it looks like communication services leading the way today. Basic materials behind that. This is interesting as we've been seeing a really big pop in silver lately. I've been talking about this pop and it's all based on the dollar going down. You see the silver really pushing up about almost 15%. Giles Coughlin talked about that right here on Stock Market Movers, that that could be an easy play when you're watching the dollar go down. Look at silver and gold. And he also gave us that silver would actually have the higher correlation for the move up. And you guys are seeing that nice little push there in PAAS. And you guys can watch also AG, look at these little bounce backs. And of course, UDN is another way that I gave you last week that you guys can keep watching to see if that dollar is going into that bearish outlook there. Uh, but definitely silver, aluminum, steel, coal, getting a little bit of a bounce back. Coal has been really strong lately. Take a look at that BTU chart, trying to make its way back up there towards 28. And this one was just at 19 just a little while ago. And in just about one week, 10 days, a little bit over six bars. We're up about 31% on BTU lately. So keep your eyes on AMR. And I'll give you one more to keep on watching in coal, especially if you see this trend continue. Look for CEIX to make its way back up there towards 76. And I'll give you one more just to keep on watch. If you're seeing these coals continuing to make a move up, you could get a laggard like METC to start catching some kind of bounce. Metals and minerals getting a little bit of a lift today. You guys can watch some stocks like Vale, B-A-L-E, starting to get a nice little push on up. When those start moving, watch out. They like to get big pushes. Um, was, lock, was watching LAC. 
getting some lift up here. The uranium plays getting a little bit of a bounce back. CCJ. So there's a lot to keep your eyes on in some minerals plays. PLL is one of my favorites trying to make its way back here on the daily. I love how you have all the moving averages slightly above the price action right now, 200 day below it. If they could all move below it with a nice price push up, this is going to be looking great on the daily chart. I'll give you guys a little bit more outlook into here. And as we can get that drive, really look at the weekly chart. Let's see if we can get a drive back to 65 on PLL and then look for a breakout above the 70s. If you take a look at the monthlies, this is what I would keep on watch on the monthlies. You're starting to really try to get that resistance on up. It looks like we're in a bigger time frame move, a monthly chart time frame move where you're getting PLL sideways right around the 50 area. Now let's see if we can really drive towards that 70 and give a big breakout on Piedmont Lithium. This could also have it with some LAC move. Um, so Lithium Americas, keep your eyes on that. If that can get that lift, you never know where these can go. MP is another one that I would keep on watch coming to monthly support right off around the 28s, 25s. Let's look for a move back towards 40 as this is MP Materials Corp. And a SPAC that's held on, as a lot of people like to point out, that MP is probably the only SPAC that has truly held its roots. All right, let's look at what was down today. Actually, nothing down today, right? What's the weakest? Well, healthcare is the weakest one, but it's not looking too bad. They're still having some moves in some biotech, still getting some lift. Moderna bouncing off the bottom. Gilead, you got Regeneron making a really nice move up today. Keep your eyes on that one. Really good weekly candle coming into Regeneron, trying to get back above 720s. So keep your eyes on that as that's starting to push. And I'll keep my eyes on Gilead and some of these other kind of biotechs to see if they can make that next step up. Well, another one here, BRTX, hanging up near the top of the range, could start making that next step up, trying to get back through the 300. We'll see what happens these. P-A-A-S, about time. Silver and gold, silver and gold. Everyone wishes for silver and gold, says Beach Bum. Uh, Burrow Ives. We'll see if this holiday can bring in some good season. I'm BTU short. Ooh, Daniel, taking a shot there on an industry that's starting to trend up. Can't blame you for doing it. I mean, like always, you are seeing it starting to push on up. And we'll see. I think this is all about, you know, UNG continuing to come on down. And some people are looking for ways to play the oil trade and the energy trade. And you guys saw oil bounce back up today. And coal has really started to catch some bid lately. So we'll see if this can continue. All right. Getting out of that topic, of course, we can just start taking some stocks from the chat. I did try to leave some room for you guys. So let's start doing that. Let's get into, I did see Stu wanted me to analyze I-C-L-N? Is it L-C-I-N? I-C-L-N? Hmm. Um, I don't have it. Oh, there it is. I got you. I got you. The Global Clean Energy Index Fund. All right. Well, keep it simple, right? First thing we're going to do is what's in this fund, right? And so if I take a look here, I'm going to push up my sector outlooks so that you can see everything that's in the here, right? And so you can see here, this is everything that's in there. I'm actually going to even push this to the right so that you, we can try to focus on just what's here. 
right? And so here I'll push this a little bit bigger. Try to do something for you right now. This is what I love to do. So a lot of times when I'm looking at stocks, right, I'm trying to decipher, is there a leader and laggard style trade here? So we're looking at ICLN, right? We're looking at this just overall. We can see a bottoming feature here, bottoming feature here, and a couple of moves that it's tried to get back above the 24. I'd even put this more towards a monthly chart, right? And so you can see here how you're getting this bottoming around here. And we still haven't really gotten that drive on up, which is a move back through the 24, trying to take out the 30s up here, right? And so what I'd start moving is now let's take a look at what's in this. What is going to get us our drive to really get us back up there towards the 24 and then through the 28s if you're bullish, well, let's take a look at some of the uh, stocks that lead this high cap stocks. I don't have the holdings, so I can't go through that, but I can go in through which one of these looks great. Well, EMPH, it needs to hold that uh, window below it and make a move back through 300. You also got, looks like a utility name here, ED. He looks at AGR, regulated electric. First solar really looks good. This is one that I brought up on pre-market prep for a nice little move back up, especially if it can close up towards 136.50. This is gonna be looking great for the next step up. SEDG, making its way back after a quick decline, right? Plug, making its way back, doesn't look too bad. EBR, you see some regulated electricity here. Uh, and then you see some of the other kind of solar plays, um, looking around what else is in here. You got DQ, semiconductor, and kind of more of a solar play also. So it looks like to me, this is a lot of solar and you got some utilities exposure. So to, in that aspect of it, I, I would definitely kind of keep watch to see what's going to happen uh, in kind of the solar names to see if this could really drive. Solar seems to be like the, the predominant uh, theme here. And so look to see how those solar stocks perform, especially FSLR, ENPH, and SEDG. And if you're looking for something that will kind of drive it back, look for also the utilities to kind of catch that bounce and take out the high here. It's EBR. Look for it to get back through that 926. And also look for the kind of the XLU to really kind of catch bid like it's doing today and get back into this trend. That's what I would be looking for. Tried to do a little bit of analysis there for you. And like always, you guys can look me up on Twitter if you want to know a little bit more. I know you took a trade on SoxS this morning, but what do you think of it at this price? Well, I can't tell you how to buy things or not, but I can take a look at how it's trading on the day, right? And so early on in the day, I was looking at kind of that reversal for SoxS to come back on up. Got stopped out, and I'm glad I didn't battle it. But like always, one of the things that you want to be looking at, if you're looking for reversals, what I look at is for some five-minute candles showing me some bottoming action. So here you guys see some bottoming action right here, sideways, sideways. Always looking for the reversal sign. And so you could be maybe using like a 15-minute, and you kind of get some sideways action, about an hour sideways action could give you that bottom to go off of. Whenever you're looking to trade kind of a, a trade like this, you're looking at what's called reversals, right? So you're trying to call it off the bottom and look for a push back up. A lot of times what am I doing if I want to take a trade like this? 
I'm looking at the overall market and seeing if we're going to just start cracking right back down in success. I would look at a leader like NVIDIA, right? What's going on in NVIDIA? Is NVIDIA kind of looking like it's topping out? Is it looking like it's trying to push through new highs? If it is trying to push through new highs, we got to be careful because it's still not even in the bearish set for me to go ahead and take that SOX L reversal. But now you're getting what? You're getting three candles, four candles down there at the 62. Well, now you can start thinking about, okay, so risk to reward. Do I want to risk down to 62 to get a move back towards at least the VWAP? That would be the first target in my eyes, 64.29. That's a mean reversion trade. And then above the VWAP would actually be more of a breakdown that you're looking for. So, of course, like always, you're never going to be 100% right on your levels. You're looking for different signs. So I'd be looking for a weakening market a weakening semiconductor industry, and then look for the technical levels to go off of on SOX S. That's how I would approach a trade. But like always, make your own investment decisions. All right, uh, catching out there. What's going on? Anything else for you guys? we got about five minutes left here. If not, I'll go ahead and start wrapping it up and pay attention to see what happens on in this market. It's a tough market out there right now. And as you can see, the SPY, let's look at some of the leaders in the SPY today. MRO getting some lead. Of course, oil stocks bouncing back today. Look at that closing gap on MRO. Wow, what a move there. You guys could have been able to nail that one. That's a pretty nice one there. 9% day there for that. Look at this one. A lot of them filling in their gaps. They just got attacked today. Those windows got attacked. Not a bad play there if you're able to nail those trades today. NUE, Steel getting a little bit of a bounce back today. Conoco Phillips, man, look at all these oil stocks that filled in that shadow uh, in the window to the left after that drop down from Thursday to Friday. Really good trades there if you're able to nail those. Uh, PXD, oil and gas also getting some lift. Lumen, Lumen Technologies, a little bounce. UAA, Under Armour, catching a little bit of a bounce. That's interesting there. SLB, Dish showing up here. A lot of that based on the Disney news that was out there. But it's a tough one right now. CNQ, Canadian Natural Re Oh, it still hasn't filled in the gap. Maybe it fills it in. Doesn't look too bad. Where would that fill be to? That'd be to 5084. Let's see if it can get up there. CNQ, Canadian Natural Resource. All right, oil names. You have to buy them when the chart looks ugly. Hate to say it. Yeah, sometimes it's like that. I remember I sold out of Oxy at 64 on the way down, right? 64 on the way down. It went down to 58, and then it comes right back to 64.50 where I got in. Heck, that's how it happens sometimes. All right, that's going to do it for me. I'm going to go ahead and wrap on up. I hope that you guys enjoyed today's show. Like always, hit the comments after the show if you guys want to see something more or less of on the show. I will go through the topics that we talked about today. We talked about, of course, the PMI, o OPEC oil prices, Credit Suisse scare, Kim Kardashian paying up her fine, Tesla deliveries coming in, General Motors giving out some information, Viasat, Disney Dish Network, Wells Fargo, Peloton, In Hilton Hotels, Citigroup adjusting their year-end outlook, and Fed and inflation concerns moving forward.
If you guys didn't catch our interview today, I definitely recommend you rewind and catch Lloyd Luke, uh, of course, uh, Luke Lloyd, Wealth Advisor and Investment Strategist at Strategic Wealth Partners. We had a great conversation. We covered different areas on the Fed. And one of the questions that I loved was the eyeball test versus what truly is happening in the economy. If you guys missed this, rewind the tape, check out Luke Lloyd, and I'll catch you guys a little bit later on At The Close. Like always, hit the thumbs on up for me. I need to get some more likes on this show. Please, if you guys appreciate me doing all this research and bringing you all the information in a one-hour show, just smash up that like and show us that you guys appreciate the information. I'll see you next time right here on, of course, Stock Market Movers. I'm your host, Money Mitch, and I'll see you on At The Close with Joel Alconin coming up at 3.30. 